radio in Patricia Sanchez's car is tuned to her favorite hip-hop station. It's loud and the bass is booming. And that's intentional. She says it gets her ready to hit the trauma center floor running from the first minute. And why not? It's a trauma center, an emergency department that sees nearly 70,000 patients every year. It's early Saturday night. Throughout the city, couples are readying for their dates. Friends are agreeing which bar or club they're going to be meeting at later that night. For Patricia, it's another Saturday night of trauma at the region's only level one trauma center at University Medical Center of El Paso. Some of the many people making plans won't finish their nights at home, but instead will become trauma patients, wanting to make it to the next day alive with the help of surgeons, nurses, medical techs, and so many more providers at UMC. The medical team at UMC's trauma department has collectively centuries of experience caring for trauma victims. They will build on that experience in the late hours of Saturday night. They also know that every patient case is unique. Every patient with their own story, their own set of dreams, yet realized and a hope that when Sunday arrives, things will be better. We begin with Patricia. Typically nights, um, you walk in to a very, very, very busy shift. There's patients already in the trauma bays. We're usually holding... um, 20 plus patients in the emergency department as admit holds. And then we have maybe 20 to 30, it depends on kind of like our waves, but we have um, patients waiting outside to be seen already. So when we come in to shift, we come in very busy, I guess is the word. Um, So you already have to kind of prep yourself and think, okay, I have to come in with a very positive attitude and I have to, as a charge nurse, I have to pass this on to the staff because we know it's going to be a rough night. We know Saturday nights is when people, you know, go out to party, they go out to drink, and we see a lot of traumas typically on those days, especially around like after two in the morning. It's a joke within us that, oh, the bars are going to close, like get ready because it's coming. I got a party one shot, so let me know when you're ready to copy. Go ahead, I'm ready. I got a male patient coming in. Yeah, mid sixties, I'm guessing. We got on scene, found the patient to be uh, have agonal respirations. I had a sign of sinus on the monitor sixty eight. Uh, this patient's got multiple injuries. His uh, left leg is uh, below the knee is fully degloved. He has several other obvious deformities as well. He got blood coming from his ears. Uh, he's clinched at this time. I got blood pressure 155 over 117, 155 over 117. Still showing 68 on the monitor. All two stats are 98%. He's being back at this time. We give you further upon arrival. ETA, about five minutes. Very good, sir. Continue transport. We'll see you in five minutes. Typically, yeah, you see a lot of traumas around that hour, midnight to two, three in the morning. Auto versus pedestrians, like people getting hit by cars. You see the motor vehicle accidents for, you know, drunk drivers. Um, You see stabbings, you see gunshot wounds. Those are the kind of typical, more common things that we see here in the emergency department. And especially if it's a Saturday night, you know, if El Paso's out partying, something's going to (laughs) happen and they end up here. Uh, assaults too but those aren't the level ones but you do see some assaults um, some overdoses things like that one of the ones that I remember was this person was I think they were hit by a vehicle but they ended up losing an extremity like completely gone Um, things like that 
usually the ones that will stick with me, I guess emotionally, are pediatric patients because as a mother myself, I've kind of, sometimes I see my child in them or honestly, it comes down to thinking like, oh my God, is that my kid? Because it hasn't, like you, we live in this community and so we are part of this community and that is always a constant fear, I think, in all of our minds. Things can always kind of get worse because more patients could come in through the door, acuity can get worse, but if you are able to kind of get through the shift um, with everybody taken care of, all of the patients taken care of with the staff that you have, um, staff members are honestly being able to even get a lunch because sometimes it's so crazy we don't get to eat. You know, just knowing that you did the best that you could during that shift and then walking out and just decompressing after and knowing that you did it all together is a great, great sensation. Just like Patricia, nurse practitioner Jax Maurer understands what trauma entails. But the patients that affect her most, just like Patricia, are pediatric. Here is Jax. You know, a lot of people think that it's uh, Florence Nightingale setting, and maybe in hospice it could be, but in the ER it's do or die. So one of the um, emergencies that we had, we had a level one pediatric trauma come in, and um, of course I was at you know, at the door, like any nurse does in any emergency, especially a level one trauma, which is a pediatric, um, all hands on deck. So, you know, you just wait there um, for any sign of ways you can help. And um, I saw, I looked in when I brought something into our manager who was helping run the code. And I saw the trauma nurse kind of, you know, buckling down and not being able to keep up with uh, the situation. And um, I actually took over the chart. I had her step out of the room and we went round for round. And it was just minutes before we were about to call it because the child wasn't going to make it. Dr. Tyrock was actually on the case. He's our lead trauma surgeon. And he heard us whispering and he leaned back and was like, what's going on? And we let him know the situation. And it's like, a calm fell over the room and he just took control of this, the trauma and he had ER work the code. He had Dr. Tovarios um, get on the blood and then he ran uh, the trauma scene and we used nearly 24 units of blood and we just went back and back and back just because it kind of felt emotional and it was like a sense of shock like, no, this can't happen, this can't happen. So eventually we um, kind of all looked around and we knew it was going to be called. We knew that there was, uh, we did all we could do. And so when we, when Dr. Tyrock asked everyone if there's anything else that we wanted to keep going, it was almost like a sense of relief that we had let the child move on and then us to just kind of sit back and take it all in. It made me want to hold my son more that night. In the ER, you get a sense of, like, who can tough it out the most, right? Like, everyone always asks, like, how how do you handle the ER? How do you deal with it? And it's like, and for me, it's, like, competitive. Like, I have to be that person who's the strongest. I have to be the one that everyone comes to. 
the report. Barely moving when she was T-boned by another car traveling approximately 20-25 miles per hour. Uh, patient complaining of chest pain says she was hit with an airbag, side airbag, no front airbag deployment. Today in all times three, um, pain reproducible with inspiration and movement. No other, um, she's also complaining of some lower back pain. Um, noted when she crawled into the passenger seat, no head or neck pain, no LOC. Blood pressure 137 over 83, pulse of 104 and regular, respirations 18. Sign attack on the monitor, saline lack established, um, states 8 out of 10 pain. We're pulling into your facility right now. Do you require anything further? Nope, see you on arrival. Jax Maurer is one of the more experienced nurses at UMC. A lot of the nurses around her, the younger nurses, look to her for advice. But Jax looks to physicians such as Dr. Alan Tyrock for advice and counsel. Dr. Tyrock has had more than 1,400 nights in trauma. Dr. Tyrock. You know, the number one cause of death up to age 44 is trauma-related. So that's meaning young people that are either dying young or having severe disabilities that are going to be disabled for quite some time. If you look at the younger population up to age 12, and look at the 10 causes of death in children up to age 12, trauma exceeds the other nine. So it's a big deal. It's, it's really, it impacts us. But you got a gym here with the trauma program, with so many people making it work well. University Medical Center is truly a gym for the region. It's not just for the city of El Paso or the county, but we provide trauma care to what I've done the calculation, 1.26 million people in far west Texas and southern New Mexico. We cover 44,000 square miles, and we don't discriminate. And that's what I think about trauma, but it's really a gym in El Paso, in the El Paso region. Call Medstop 117, Friday 145, 52-year-old male. She's complaining today, chest pain. There's to be a stemming. We did transmit you to 12 leads. At this time, patient is alert and oriented time is 4, GCS is 15. Vital spray blood pressure is 136, 136 over 98. Heart rate 73. Sinus rhythm on the monitor set in uh, 98%. Nasal cannula 4 liters. We have 324 aspirin on board, 2 IVs established, going to administer nitroglycerin. Patient states uh, left side of chest pain rating down to his left arm, 7 out of 8 out of 10 now. Uh, only history is hypertension. If you're quite up and further, we'll be there in about five to seven minutes. Can you ask the patient if he has a cardiologist, please? Patient does not have a cardiologist. He uh, only has a primary care doctor that he recently has no longer seen. Okay, thank you. Let us know if any changes, and we'll see you upon arrival. Dr. Alan Tyrock has seen thousands of cases. He's seen thousands of patients, young and old alike. But there are few that have more of a lasting impact than the one of an elderly woman who lost her life in a home fire. Dr. Alan Tyrock. Very elderly lady. This was in El Paso. Was in a house fire. She's like 98 years old. Greater than 90% body surface area burns, which means that's a lethal injury in an older person. We put her on the ventilator. I said, there's no point in transferring her to, to the Lubbock for the burn center over there because she's not going to survive. It doesn't make sense. And her grandson arrived. And he said, can I see my grandma? I said, sure. And we talked. 
And I said, you know, she's not going to make it. And he said, I understand this. And he said, I just want to spend time with her. And uh, then he started talking to me about how she was really her, his surrogate mom took care of him because his parents had left or whatever. And uh, he and I sat there for about two hours and let her pass away peacefully. She lived a full life and she had no family left or friends except for her grandchild, her grandson. And I thought that was such to see the love between him and her, his grandma. Yeah, I mean, because death is part of life; it's the cycle. And she lived a long life, and sounded like she was a loving grandmother and wonderful person. And he would tell me stories about her. So it was it was nice to see. I couldn't leave him. I felt like you know it's just him and his grandmother, and that was it. Yeah. Unfortunately, you do lose a lot, no matter what you do, and it bothers you. But that's part of the game, and you got to be tough. But like I said, you know, I tell the residents and the younger faculty, it's going to hurt when you lose somebody, because if it doesn't hurt, there's a problem with you. But you got to move on. On August 3rd, 2019, El Pasoans were doing their shopping at a local Walmart when in strode a lone gunman who gunned down many of them before they could finish their day. That had a lasting impact on Dr. Tyrock and many of the physicians, nurses, and others at UMC. You know, it was a tough day, August the 3rd in 2019, when, you know, 23 people died at the scene, or 22 died at the scene, I believe. And it was rough. It was rough on the people because they did their best. And not just me going 110% when we see I see a patient. I can tell you the uh, all the residents do. The nurses do the same. Um, the other physicians and all the disciplines. It's not just the surgeon. It's truly a team of people, and it hurts. I mean, I, you know, I see the nurses after a patient dies. They're crying as they're wrapping the body and stuff like that, and they're hugging each other, hugging the family. It's more difficult, I think, when somebody dies after being in the hospital for a few days as opposed to they come in from the ambulance and they, they die 10 minutes later because you don't know them unless it's a child. The, the kids are rough when a child dies. There's a reason why the nurses, residents, and other staff at UMC look to Dr. Tyrock for his leadership. He's aggressive, he's assertive, he's like a general in a time of crisis, leading the way to save a patient. You've got to be aggressive, but not reckless, meaning you can't be a wimp. You've got to take care of the problem. Don't be shy, and uh, you've got to carry yourself well, because if you are timid in the trauma bay, or in the operating room and afraid to make a move or a decision, people see that. And if they see that you're not sure what to do, they're going to be unsure. So you need to make sure that you are a leader at that time and you're doing what you need to be done. Because I see the, sometimes the residents and younger faculty little apprehensive. I'm like, this is not the time. This is not an elective surgery where you can relax, take your time, make this beautiful incision. I'm, my first job is to save your life. And then I will worry about the other stuff later. So aggressive but not reckless has always been my motto. And I learned that when I was a resident for the other trauma surgeons. And I, I know I make a lot of people mad <laughs> afterwards because I, sometimes I get a little loud. And uh, But you got to be in control of the situation. And that's the way it is. You have to be focused, and it's okay to raise your voice in my mind. And sometimes I call it righteous anger. You know, I tell the residents, if something's really going wrong, going stupid, you step in and fix it. 
I'll support you, but I'm not going to support you if you're starting to throw out profanity and being a, a turkey about it. And sometimes I'm a turkey too. Okay, I'm not going to deny that for sure. You know that, but uh, righteous anger. But also, if you're going half cock, people aren't going to listen to you. They're not going to respect you, and they see realize that you're not sure what you're doing, and that's probably why you're acting. So if you're getting rattled, your team is getting is getting rattled. So that's I think that's important. And then right before I get to the hospital, I almost always say a prayer uh, about oh, I need some guidance on this and just walk me through this day, God. So I, I do that. Saturday night has turned to Sunday morning, and Patricia's back in her car with the windows down. The radio this time is off. The wind is blowing, and she's heading home, away from the trauma, away from the stress, and it's time to relax. There will be another trauma night. Another Saturday night for Patricia. It's really not about forgetting. It's about relaxing. It's about recharging. Because tomorrow's another day. And there's going to be more cases. There's going to be more trauma. And she wouldn't have it any other way. I'd rather just walk out and hear nothing. Usually my radio's off. My windows are down. To me, when the sun would come up, it was like my way of thinking, okay, my blanket's on. You know, it's time for me to go rest. Our thanks go to emergency department nurse Patricia Sanchez and also to nurse practitioner Jacqueline Maurer from UMC. Our thanks also go to Dr. Alan Tyrock, chair of the surgery department at Texas Tech Physicians of El Paso. He's also the chief of surgery and trauma medical director at University Medical Center of El Paso. This has been an episode of Better Health in the Borderland, a production of University Medical Center of El Paso. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode and story about issues of health that affect our community, our El Paso, and our borderland.